Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Osprey here, you Insider Indianapolis Star. It is Sunday night, September 17th, 2023. Um, with me as always is Mike Nislick from Bloomington Herald Times. Mike, we're one win away from this just turning into a Desmond Ritter uh, fan appreciation podcast. <laughs> um, hey man, you know, it's been, a, it's been a rough five years or possibly a rough 50. Um, but Indiana fans won't have had as much fun on Saturday as I think I had on, on Sunday watching the Falcons beat the Packers. Hoosiers fall 21-14 to Louisville, and that's primarily, primarily what we'll talk about um, tonight. I think, I mean, we, we both sort of it felt like tackled this in different ways, post-game content, post-game video, whatever. You know, a little bit like Ohio State, there's, there's some bads you got to fix. There's some stuff you feel good about. But if you're Indiana, there's also kind of just this element of, at some point, especially in these games, you got to start putting results on the board and you can't just keep coming out of them thinking, well, this is encouraging and this is encouraging. And the next time we get one of these kinds of opponents, we will, you know, we'll be better for it. Um, it, it did feel a little bit like a missed opportunity the way it ended on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, they, it was all teed up for them. I mean, really, you know, uh, Taven Jackson said it kind of best that, you know, he just, you know, and, and it looked, you know, momentarily uh, like it did. Um, and, uh, you know, replay showed his knee down at the couple inch line. And you just kind of, you know, would have, should have, could have after that in terms of, you know, that the game didn't end there. They had chance, they had the fourth down. Um, they had three third downs, I think, on that last drive to stop them. And they allowed three first downs. Um, it didn't get the ball back. So um, you have some, obviously more historical perspective on, you know, where this ranks in terms of, you know, disappointing losses, but has to be in terms of, you know, they could have beat a pretty decent Louisville team, got sort of the, you know, hadn't had a power five win in non-conference since I think 18, um, you know, really could have used that here to, to set up the schedule. Now, you know, the difficulty level increases, even though they've played through three games, I think fans have to be happy with how they've played, but you're looking at the, the one and two results uh, as being disappointing, I think. You do, I think. I mean, you know, to to your point, it's games like this just kind of wind up being context games where you sort of hope at the end of the year that you do get to six and you're allowed to look back at Louisville and say, boy, that was a close call, but actually it was a good day because Louisville turned out to be a lot better than we thought. And they may. I mean, I, I'm taking a look at Louisville's remaining schedule, but the ACC is hardly a, a meat grinder of a conference. Um this year, obviously, Louisville will have to go through the Atlantic, which I assume means to play in both Clemson and Florida State. So it'll be a little bit different. But, um, you know, it, it just it is kind of one of those where y- you want to respect the fact that the opposition is trying to. I think some of the things we expected to bear out, bore out um, on on Saturday, not least that I think Indiana needed some time to come to grips with Louisville speed. It's one thing to kind of know they've got it. It's another thing, especially with Nick Toomer, who I think we can probably feel like is, you know, at this point, especially 
in the, the, the glaring nature of his absence on Saturday, one of your two best corners, um, not on the field, and, and how much Louisville was able to kind of take the top off of your defense with um, with uh, deep shots in one-on-one coverage and single coverage, um, particularly to James Thrash, and also just an offense that, on the one hand, again, you look at it, you say, well, you understand why maybe there's some early hiccups, you know, redshirt freshman quarterback, first true start, all those kinds of things. On the other hand, you see how good Indiana looked in that second half. You know, third and fourth quarters, Taven Jackson's passing numbers were outstanding. And you just sort of say, well, if Indiana could have found um, a little bit more of that on, you know, maybe somewhere in the second quarter, maybe you're not fighting, you're not sledding quite so uphill in the second half. It, It does just feel like one of those games that, you know, Indiana, if it's not careful, might wind up picking too many of the bones out of just wondering what might have been. And just to clarify, ACC got rid of divisions. So I have to say that as has having covered the ACC. Oh, I honestly, they, I honestly didn't, didn't remember that. But, but so they don't play Florida State or Clemson, but they do play uh, Notre Dame, Duke, and Miami. Um, so, you know, they'll get measured and they have Kentucky obviously last. So we'll see um, what they're, what, you know, they're, they, they could have some, um decent wins there if they get through that so we'll see how good louisville is in the coming weeks but in terms of indiana um that's a team you know that now i think we've seen if they play in the second they can play (laughs) they play like they did in that second half for 60 minutes against the likes of illinois rutgers purdue michigan state i mean you feel like those are games that are winnable um it's just you know tom allen i guess this this problem has gone back i don't know I don't remember what the exact number he said, how many one possession games they've lost kind of going back here now the last two years. Um, But they do have to figure that out. I mean, obviously can't spot a team 21 points, but um, you know, obviously something, you know, Tom Allen talked about, you know, toughness being kind of his buzzword for the off season to kind of get past these situations. And, you know, that defense in that final four minutes did not, did not show it. I mean, if they bow up and, and, and kind of stop them, you know, they, they, you know, Louisville's defense was on edge, man. They, they really couldn't stop anything in terms of down the field passing, um, but they didn't give them a chance. So that's a situation where, you know, Tom Allen talked about in the off season, you know, feeling good about that. And it uh, didn't really, it didn't, didn't pan out. I think the, certainly some things you are allowed to be encouraged by not least, Taven Jackson is probably worth just kind of digging into his game now. 24 of 34, 299 yards. Uh, he had a touchdown. He had the interception. Um, I think he only took one sack, or maybe he wasn't sacked at all. Um, and I thought second half in particular, but even to some extent in the first half, especially when you sort of are able to contextualize a first half where, you know, maybe – not everything is quite slid into place, but once you kind of see the halftime adjustments that Indiana is able to make and how good he is in the second half, you know, as somebody who obviously watched it last year, I think that's probably the best rapport I've ever seen Walt Bell have with a quarterback in terms of play calling rhythm and, and how to move the ball around and, you know, just sort of when he's going to call what and when he mixes in what Jackson looked very good. I mean, he looked, he, he looked really encouraging kind of in all the ways that you hoped he would. Even the interception was, as we said yesterday, one of those that probably both the quarterback and the receiver will tell you they could have done a little bit better on. Um, there's a lot in Taven Jackson's performance with an offense that really, you know, I think there's a lot of good skill players on that offense, and every offense needs good quarterback play. 
but I don't know if there's any one player or two players on that offense that are just so undeniably talented that they can kind of force their way into a game, you know, almost no matter what, at least as the games we're talking about, you mentioned the, the, the Maryland game, the Rutgers game, the Illinois game, et cetera. Um, you need a quarterback that stitches all that together. And I thought Jackson, the more comfortable he got, the more in rhythm he got, the more it felt like he was really in command of that offense, along with Walt Bell, um, calling plays, eight different receivers caught a pass. I think, I think nine were targeted and he obviously, I mean, quite literally gets Indiana within, you know, two feet, a foot and a half, I guess, of, at least tying that game. We don't know if Tom Allen would have gone for two. Um, Indiana at least comes out of that game feeling like, okay, there's a, there's a player here that we can kind of put the way forward on his shoulders. And as long as we can keep him healthy and keep building the offense around him, he could be awfully good. Well, you're talking about just receivers. Cause Jalen Lucas feels like a description of a player that could have. That's, his that's fair. Like that. But even, but even Lucas, I thought, I mean, I, I thought there's a difference between, Jalen Lucas getting some carries, Jalen Lucas and sort of an option offense and things like that. And what Indiana was able to do getting Jalen Lucas out in the past game yesterday. You know, I mean, he was incredibly effective, you know, just kind of getting out, catching passes. That was the most we've seen him looking like. I mean, I use these comparisons just because these are players he has said he tries to model his game after. That is the most we have seen him look more like a Tavon Austin type player in terms of his size, his speed, and his skill set, as opposed to a, a small running back kick returner that's also going to go out and catch a few passes and set up some screens and things like that. Yeah, but I think a lot of the, I mean, the, the throw, Jackson deserves credit for that touchdown throw down the middle to him. But a lot of the other stuff was at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I, I don't know how much credit Jackson gets for sort of getting that part of the offense going. But I, I think Jalen Lucas is talented enough to kind of fit that description where, it, you know, he's a guy that needs to be um, washed at every spot because you can't, t- if you take a, second breather off even on one of those carries like he can go and that, that's i think sort of fits the description but that's secondary to your overall point about jackson and and i think you know moxie was kind of the word <laughs> the buzzword for him uh during the uh off season and particularly the fall and i mean he showed it right like i mean he didn't and i think we were walking back to our cars after the game and it's like if you turned on that tape especially the second half it would have been hard to say that, oh, this is that guy's second career start. You know, he's only, he's, you know, he only had, you know, how many 24 pass attempts, career pass attempts, you know, that that's, I think the biggest compliment you can pay him that he looked in command. Um, you know, they had some things to work out more pre-snap issues in that game than they did against Indiana state, but still like whenever he was dropping back in the packet uh, pocket, when there was pressure, he wasn't sacked, um, but he moved the pocket a lot, extended the plays, made good decisions with the ball, I mean, obviously I had the interception, but I mean, there wasn't a ton of bad throws. I mean, you know, two maybe, and, and that was it. And so you kind of look at his day and, and you know, the numbers were, were there and, you know, everything set up there well other than the win. And I think you have to be happy with, um, you know, Tom Allen, I think, can point to uh, for fans that are frustrated. Like, look, now we've got a team to build around. You know, this is what I've been talking about all offseason. We, we've, got the, we've got the group. Now we just got to put it together. And now getting Jackson in the more experience and, um, you know, maybe avoid those slow starts in the coming week. Cause this is only, you know, the, this that was his first game proof of concept really as the whole, the whole game, you know, th- those first two games don't really count. So um, it's a good building block, but 
you know, obviously you can't erase six years of trying to get to this point. So um, fans are obviously looking for urgency. And I think that that makes it, I don't want to skip too far ahead to Akron, although I, I, you know, I don't know how much we're going to talk with all respect to them about Akron as opposed to, to Louisville or, or even on the Maryland. The one thing I will say, I think one of the, one of the big positives, win or lose, you use the word proof of concept. Everybody, everybody knows what it looks like, what it feels like, how to do it, I guess, offensively now behind Taven Jackson as your quarterback and now you have one whole other game. The timing of this at least allows you one whole other game where you can tinker a little bit and you can, you know, you're probably not ultimately, you're probably not going to be super vanilla in this game the way you would have been the Indiana State game. You've already put some stuff on film for Louisville. You're going to want to start advancing your offense in terms of the concepts and whatever you wanted to sort of layer in by the time you got to, you know, fold in by the time you got to Big Ten play. And so, here's a chance to sort of take away a full game's worth of performance against a good team. I mean, if nothing else, I think it's fair to say Louisville's probably going to a bowl game. So at least a, you know, a bowl caliber team, a bowl caliber opponent, you know, power five athletes and all that kind of stuff. Take all of that, sift through it, figure out what worked, what didn't. And you got kind of one more learning lab game here with Akron on Saturday night where you don't have to put too much on Taven Jackson's shoulders but you can tinker with more around basically what else around the offense do you think might get more out of him as a quarterback almost before you do start hitting these game plans where it is going to be, you're going to want to keep growing and developing, but it is going to be a little bit of, you know, at some point you better win one of these games. Yeah. Cause the Acker doesn't, it's not, I mean, it counts, but it doesn't, it's not the win you need, right? Like you can't, cause I mean, these, these are the ones you should have. Um, and, and now you need the, you need to get some big 10 wins now and you need to do it against competition that, you know, recruiting more or less at the same level, um, as you, there's really no excuse. And, um, you know, the slow start, I, I think really frustrated Tom Allen and, and you can't, this team's not talented enough to dig themselves out of 21 point hole and look as, as well executed as that onside kick, that's not going to work nine times out of 10, just to, you know, probability wise not a very uh um <laughs> easy play to make happen um so you know indiana needs to avoid that going forward they're just not they just don't have that talent edge against any of the teams they're going to face beyond akron uh to do that and that and i think you could see why he was so upset about it because he knows where what this team needs to do and they need to be in these games um and and i think they can go toe-to-toe not not if they have a slow start or, or give up a you know quarter or two or you just like that um especially where they had promising moments you know, they got across midfield twice in the first quarter. I had nothing to show for it. Um, and th- and that that's where I think the disappointment probably lingers for, for Allen and the coaching staff where, you know, even the mistakes in the second half where you kind of wish, oh, you, you know, you had it, you could have tied the game. This game could have been won in the first half if you had just, you know, scored a couple of points and not had those two huge busts, which, you know, the defense looked shook after that for a little while. Putting a ball on the offense, um, because I think that defense merits – a lot of conversation on its own. The one other thing, and and this is, you know, this can be, this particular Blake can have two edges. Um, On the one hand, it does feel like Indiana has really expanded its, its skill group beyond, you know, last season at times, it it kind of felt like Cam Camper was the only really consistent contributor Indiana had in that phase, especially when some guys went down injured, you know, Indiana couldn't keep AJ Barner healthy, things like that. Um, it does feel like on the one hand, you have Camper, you have Donovan McCulley, you have Omar Cooper, 
Um, I think that tight end group is very solid. Bradley Archer had you know some really good catches yesterday. James Bamba got involved, and as, as you mentioned, with that that offside play where Jackson just kind of skipped. I think he basically just read Bamba, and Bamba it was basically covered up by the safety, and then the safety bailed as soon as Jackson moved on to his next read, and so Jackson missed James Bamba wide open down the hash. Um, the point is, there's a lot of options there. On the other hand, again, you know, taking your point about Jalen Lucas and setting him aside, it doesn't necessarily feel like any one or two of those guys is just sort of, just sort of irrepressible, and it's going to be incumbent upon your quarterback in this case, obviously Jackson to make sure those guys get involved and stay involved. And I think if you do it right, then Indiana suddenly feels like one of those teams that's got, you know, three or four different pass catchers that could go for 80 yards and a touchdown on any given week. And that's a tricky thing to to prepare for, for most teams that for, for the sorts of teams, as we've discussed that Indiana really needs to be aiming to beat you know, it's, 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 it's a different kind of animal against Michigan, against the Penn State. But you would imagine, for example, Rutgers is not going to want to have to solve a problem when it looks at Indiana's receiver court and says, well, three different guys, you know, could go for 100 yards against us on Saturday if we're not careful with them. But that is, again, something you've got to really, really hone in with your quarterback because it does feel like it's going to be the quarterback that keeps those guys really kind of involved and really in rhythm I don't know that any one of those guys, at least yet, is the sort of receiver that just kind of takes, you know, takes that 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 sort of dominant streak in their own hands and just runs off, runs a game, runs off with a game. Well, yeah, I'm looking at kind of the PFF, the um, the snaps. Uh, and, and interesting because Omar Cooper, after that big game, only played seven snaps. They played a lot of uh, two tight ends, um, Bamba and uh, Bradley Archer. Each got. Bomb had 43, Archer had 32 snaps. The emergence of Jalen Lucas at receiver, uh, I think, made a difference. He had 36 snaps overall, and he played a lot um, split out split out in the slot and wide. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the emergence of Donovan McCauley uh, is interesting. He seems like the guy, especially with EJ Williams out, um, Cam Camper, he played uh, every snap except two snaps. Um, so, obviously, he's kind of the guy that I think that has emerged that they – trust the most or see the most upside. Um, and, you know, that's notable considering two years ago, he was what a quarterback and hadn't played receiver. So um, that seems like the guy out of the group and he's got the height that EJ e. Williams has too. So uh big body target, um, probably still a little bit raw, um, but it looks like him camper and like Lucas might be their kind of top three receivers going forward as they mix in that tight end stuff um, as well. And Archer, who I thought started the season really slow, um, did not look good in that Ohio State game. Um, uh, had his, you know, by far his best game. Um, you know, stood out on uh, on a number of receiving plays. Um, and like you said, had an impact on on Saturday. Struggling for the mute button there. Um, the defense. I mean, I'll be honest. I was surprised at how much it struggled. Um, with Louisville in the first half and, and Jeff Brom's offensive bona fides are well-traveled. Indiana wasn't surprised by that. Um, you know, as, as you said, Nick Tuber being out, I think pretty clearly hurt Indiana. Um, James Thrash is a really good receiver. He's a transfer from Georgia state. He had an outstanding career at Georgia state. And now he's up at Louisville. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing Louisville had in this game and, you know, I mean, you'd probably argue that Taven Jackson outplays him in the end, but Jack Plummer is 
you know exactly what a player like that is from snap one, whereas Indiana's spending the first couple quarters figuring out exactly sort of how to put Taven Jackson in the best spots to succeed and what he likes and what he doesn't and where where is you know where his soft spots are and where to go for his rhythm and all that. Jack Plummer is is going to be who he's going to be from you know snap one with the experience he has. Um, but seeing Indiana get pushed around up front in the first half, seeing Indiana get sealed the way that Indiana kind of kept getting sealed on a lot of that sort of backside stuff and cutback stuff Louisville was running when they were when they were keeping the ball on the ground. The explosive plays, we talked about that pregame. That was going to be one of the big sort of deciding factors in this game. Louisville was really good coming into the game with explosive plays. Indiana was very, very good at, at limiting them. And while Indiana improved, Indiana adjusted was, I mean, really had kind of Louisville in a box for a lot of that second half, of course, shut them out after halftime. Um, ultimately, probably allowed one or two too many of those explosives. It was just kind of surprising for a defense that had never really looked quite so much like it was it was chasing an offense, I guess, metaphorically speaking. And listen, it was only two weeks, but one of those weeks was against Ohio State. So it wasn't like we didn't feel like we had at least some sense of what that defense was. And I suspect that unit, those coaches, those players will have walked into meetings on Sunday, you know, pretty frustrated and, and you know, pretty sort of disappointed in the way they played on Saturday. Well, I think they'll be disappointed too. Uh, you know, they had a pro football focus not to focus too much on what they have, but they had them at 21 quarterback pressures. And it didn't feel, especially the second half, um, they were getting Jake Plummer out of the pocket um, and only came away, I think, the the, the uh, books had two sacks. Um, and so you only get him down twice. He's not the most mobile uh, or quick-footed of quarterbacks, I think they'll be disappointed that they weren't able to get him down more, um, especially with kind of the upgrades they made up front. You know, they made changes at halftime to get pressure up the middle, but still um, he kept kind of eluding that sack, that negative play. And I think a couple more negative plays probably swings this thing, you know, where they had the one interception, but even still, I think they just couldn't get um, Louisville, you know, the run game, they bottled it more, but never really behind the line of scrimmage. And, and I think that's where Louisville kind of won the day. They're always moving forward. Obviously saw that in the last four minutes where everything was for a gain. You know, they, they just kept moving and, and and killing clock. And so I think that's ultimately where it came down to. In the first half, they weren't even close. Um, and in the second half, even as they made those improvements, they're probably going to turn on that film and see missed opportunity after missed opportunity where they could have gotten them. Because like I said, he rolls out of that pocket. I mean, that's just a terrible miscontain, and there's no way he should be running for a 13-yard first down with less than four minutes to go. And to your point about, I guess, just like, you know, Indiana's defense under Tom Allen, there have been different coordinators, different play callers, not least Tom Allen himself. One of the, you know, Tom Allen talks about takeaways, turnovers, whatever word you want to use. One of the consistent strains for his best defenses is, has been Havoc Rate, which I know I've cited on this podcast before. Um, it's basically just like any negative play. I forget if like penalties are included in Havoc Rate, but sacks, tackles for loss, fumbles, interceptions, just like basically any, any negative play that a defense inflicts on an offense. And to some extent, Indiana has, has kind of been willing to – 
take chances or almost sort of stretch itself a little bit more and maybe get beat every once in a while for the idea that it was going to play in those spaces where it could create the, those those havoc plays. I remember Kane Womack had a statistic either in 2019 or 2020 that said something like he, he, he'd done some study or somebody done some study that, that Indiana took to heart that like 80% of drives that included one negative play didn't end in points whether it was a penalty, whether it was a, obviously, a, you know, a, a turnover, but a, a sack, you know, a tackle for loss, anything. Um, that has always been just like a real underpinning. And I think to your point, even in those moments where Indiana was kind of going good, it just, it still felt like they weren't necessarily getting that, that disruptive sort of presence that they, they really hoped for. Of course they did have a couple sacks. They had the interception, um, but, but overall, four four tackles for loss, and two of those were those sacks by Aaron Casey. So yeah. not a ton. I mean, th- that's not enough for what they're trying to do. I, I I think we could both agree that 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 number's not high enough for Tom Allen. That's for sure. And it's not high enough in a game where you knew you were going to need to do some of that because you listen. Louisville's one of those teams, and Jeff Brown's one of those coaches. You're not just going to if you're in Indiana, maybe you know maybe somebody else could do it. Maybe Georgia could do it. Whatever, but like. Indiana is not just going to keep a lid on an offense like Louisville all game. You know, that, that is, I, I'm, I do feel pretty confident saying that is one of the three or four best offenses Indiana is going to see this season. So long as those guys stay healthy, you needed to be able to trade, you know, a couple of those explosive pass plays or a couple of the big chunk run plays with, you need to be able to almost sort of reply to those. And it just felt like Indiana. Yes. Indiana. I mean, when did Louisville score its last point? Like like something like six minutes to go in the 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 second quarter, so Indiana had a really long stretch of you know shutting Louisville off of the, the scoreboard, and you know it wasn't like they really got. I mean, it also it's worth saying like Louisville didn't even really come close on most of those drives after it got to twenty one points. It wasn't like they were getting inside the thirty a bunch and then they missed some field goals and whatever else. But the flip side was it it didn't feel like Indiana was getting you know, sort of the game-changing plays, it challenges itself to get defensively so that even when it kind of found its feet in that game as a defense, it wasn't flipping the game over the way that it really wanted to. And I suspect that is something that in all the different ways it could manifest itself at every level of Indiana's defense, again, will have been a talking point um, on Sunday. I think think you mentioned this on Saturday that you said this felt, like the early games against Jeff Brom. I mean, does it, my, my question is, is this, does Jeff Brom just have Tom Allen's number? He might, I mean, there might be an extent to which like, it's almost like, yeah, I mean, so, so in, in Tom Allen's first two seasons, they were five and six going into the Purdue game in both games. Purdue controlled the game early. Indiana adjusted well, rallied and couldn't close the door. In the third game, Indiana was the much better team. David Bell went nuts. The game went to double, or the, yeah, the game went to double overtime, and Indiana won. They didn't play during the COVID season. Obviously, Indiana was just kind of a team in pieces by the end of the 2021 season. And then last year, Indiana actually looked like it kind of had Purdue on its heels, and then Dexter Williams got hurt. So the the last couple three meetings before Saturday had taken on sort of a different complexion. But it was almost kind of in a way like, you know, if you look at those those first two IU-Purdue games, because they were both hired in the same offseason, and then the game on Saturday, it was almost like Brom was better prepared or, you know, just sort of had like the better plan going in. 
but then Allen probably was the one making better adjustments and probably yeah. was the one sort of reacting better to what he was seeing. But in all three of those games, ultimately Indiana can and, and none of those games I don't think were terribly high scoring. One of those games ended 31 to 24. I think um, I'm looking it up while we talk. I think I want to say one was like 20, 28 to 21. Um, that game was in yeah, 28 to 21. That game was in Bloomington. Um, and it, I mean, Indiana was down 21, seven at one point in that game and then scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. It just kind of like, yeah, in, in all three of those games, it, it almost felt like Brom had the better plan from the jump. And then it was Allen who kind of responded better, but just basically not in time. Yeah. Cause I mean, now what he's five lost five or six to him and, um, you know, now they won't see each other for a little while, but uh, I'm sure he's not uh, upset about that. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there is that part of it that, um, you know, some of it might just be that in this coaching matchup, uh, Brom has something, you know, especially early in games where Allen has trouble with, uh, I mean, especially if that's happened three of the six times, especially. I guess the, the one other thing I, I, I did want to talk about or touch on was Akron. Indiana is a comfortable favorite here. I think S&P Plus has about 17, 17 and a half points. I think the spread, the early spread I've seen is 17 and a half. Um, I mean, Akron is, just to be frank, not a, a great football team. Um, they lost to Temple. They needed uh, – <laughs> they, they squeezed by Morgan State. They won 24 to 21. Um, they played Kentucky on Saturday and actually kind of kept it close for a while. They eventually lost 35 to three. Kentucky also, frankly, has not started the season terribly well. So I wouldn't look at that as maybe Akron holding its own against a team. Kentucky might pull it together, but they don't certainly don't look at the finished product right now. Um, Indiana should win this game somewhat comfortably. It'll be interesting to kind of see um, Joe Moorhead and Tom Allen had some really fun back and forths when Moorhead was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. Actually, Moorhead. Um, more than once kind of went out of his way to talk about how difficult it was to prepare for Tom Allen's defenses while he was at Penn state. So it'll be interesting to kind of see those two sort of lock horns again, but this all, I mean, this does feel like a game where if you're Indiana, you know, as, as much as you ever sort of want to put too much on these, you know, too much stake or whatever on games like this, Indiana probably needs to cover in this game. And I think Indiana needs to use this game as a way to, again, just sort of, any last questions Indiana might have about itself, any any more tinkering or experimenting anybody wants to do, you know, get it out of your system in this game. I think it's a big game for the coaching staff, for the offensive coaching staff to, again, really evaluate and continue to build around Taven Jackson. Um, and it's, I mean, it should go without saying, but it is obviously a must win. Yeah, and I think they should rest some guys, to be honest. I mean, I know you don't overlook some things, but if Matthew Bedford's banged up, Set him out for a week, get him ready. Christian Turner, this is the third week in a row where he's been a non-factor. They talked about him having a different element. Um, if you wanted him to have three more than three carries a game, um, get him healthy. And maybe even Cam Camper. I know that might sound crazy, but um, you know, if he's feeling sore, I'd I'd rest him. You know, I'd I'd get um some of those other young receivers uh in the lineup, get them some snaps with um uh Taven Jackson and and try to get healthy because I think you need to be 100% here. And, um, you know, the offensive line, Max Longman got knocked out of that game. Bedford came in. But if you lose Bedford and Longman's out, then you're in your, you know, your, what, eighth guy. Um, so that that could be a real 
uh, challenge for this team that, you know, tried to build depth on the offensive line, but doesn't want to go down, you know, two of their, two of their more experienced guys, long minute experience kind of coming in as transfer. So I, I would, I would do some of that here knowing that, you know, this defense should, you know, do enough, force a couple of turnovers, get you in good positions to, to really, you know, blow them out. Um, but I get healthy here for that. You know, Michigan obviously is going to be tough, but Maryland is that game where you need to, you know, be healthy, obviously. Um, and then what was Rutgers after that? So, I mean, those are the games where you kind of want to have your your full crop of guys here. It is the business end pretty much of the season. Um, we will have, of course, all the expected coverage. Uh, one of the programming note is Indiana basketball has media day this week. It's Wednesday afternoon. So you'll see some stuff start to spin out from that because it is very much uh, barreling the calendar at this point toward the basketball preseason. Uh, first practice is 42 days before first game, which I think is in maybe, I think that's maybe in two weeks, something like that, maybe less than two weeks. I'd have to go look at the calendar to be sure. The point is it's all coming up very quickly. Um, we'll have you covered from that. We'll have you covered from Akron, and then we'll spin forward. We'll be back, um, if not midweek this week, then certainly. I don't know if we'll, I don't know how much Akron talk, but maybe we'll do something after uh, basketball media day just to kind of capture the feel there. Um, and then certainly we will recap the Akron game for you uh, this time next weekend. Thank you so much for listening. For Mike Nizelik, I'm Zach Osterman for the Blue General Times, for the Indianapolis Star, for. All our good friends at Gannett Papers across the state of Indiana. We will talk to you very soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.